What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. So Rick Merrill, who was in the first service, he gave me this book, and Rick has been a mentor and and involved in my life, and uh, he gave me this book. I don't know if he thought I was a turkey, but uh, anyway, this book is an amazing book, and it's it's a parable about this eagle falling out of the nest and being raised and found by a bunch of turkeys. So even though he was an eagle, he grew up with a bunch of turkeys in his life. Turn to your neighbor, say, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Some of you be like, I've been living with turkey my whole marriage. No, I'm just kidding. Help me, God. One of the quotes in the book that I really like, and you might want to write it down, I think it's pretty good, I wrote it down. It says, a Christian does not do in order to become. A Christian does not do in order to become. A Christian does because he is what God has made him to be. A Christian does what he is. You can be an eagle, but if you're raised by turkeys, you're going to live like a turkey. Mindset, culture. Well, that ain't how my mom raised me. Well, your mama ain't read the Bible, so welcome to church. Another joke, didn't go well. (laughs) You're going to listen to your mom, you're going to listen to the Bible. Because sometimes mom is living like a turkey. All right, dad's living like a turkey. And you're not called to raise turkeys, we're called to raise eagles. And again, it's, it's all in how so a man thinketh what? So is he. What you behold is what you become. What you behold is what you become. You live out of what you believe. Your attitude determines your altitude. All these things we've, we've heard, these quotes, these sayings, right, And so what you believe about Christ in you determines what you do in life. Again, the greatest fact about my life is that Christ is in me. That's my only hope for today, that Christ is in me. 1 John 5, 3, look at what it says. It says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Remember Jesus said that? If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And his commandments, they're not burdensome. You might want to highlight that. A lot of Christians are like, man, it's just so hard to obey the word of God. It's just so hard to, being a Christian is just so hard. It's so hard. It's hard. Well, the Bible says it's not hard. It's not burdensome. In fact, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Light. So, okay, do you believe how you feel or do you believe what is written? And the problem with the majority of Christians, including myself, we believe how we feel and we don't believe what is written. So if his commands are burdensome to you, you are not doing something properly. You're living like a turkey. Stop it. It keeps going. For everyone, say everyone, who has been born of God overcomes the world. So have you ever heard somebody say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those born again Christians? Let me me just tell you, hey, guys, listen. John chapter 3, it says, Jesus says, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom. Every Christian is one of those born-again Christians. Every Christian. Like, if you're not born again, you're not a Christian. Jesus said that, John chapter 3. You must be born again. 
And so, born again, what does that mean? That means that you saw what Christ did on the cross, how he hung there and he died for your sins, that he was beaten, that he was bloody, that he was killed, not because of anything he did wrong, but because what you and I did wrong, and he took my sins upon himself, he died, he was buried, and he was in the grave for three days, and after three days, he rose again, and and now he is alive, and when I put my faith in what he did on the cross, and I give my life to Jesus, surrendering to him, Jesus, I'm no longer the king of my life. I want you to be my king. I don't want to be Lord of my life. I want you to be Lord. And I'm deciding today to surrender to follow you, Jesus. When that happens, by faith, the Holy Spirit comes in and you're born again. You're born again. There's the only way to be born again. It's not by being a good person. It's not by good works. It's putting your faith in what Jesus did on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection. That's the only way in. That's how you get born again. So if you are saved, you are born again. If you are born again, you are in Christ. Christ now lives inside of you. He takes residence inside of you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says that you and I are sealed with the precious Holy Spirit. So I have a Holy Spirit now living in me. And that's why Galatians 2.20 says, for I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live, I live by faith in the one who gave himself up for me. That's why Colossians 3.3 says, for you died when Christ died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. All of your life, Christian, is in Christ. You're hidden in Christ. When he died, you died. And that's why in Romans chapter 6, it's why we do baptism, when it represents that when you go under that water, you're identifying Christ's burial, right? In the water, you go down, and when you come back up, resurrection, resurrection. That's what it represents, And so we are a different kind of people on the earth. We are those that now have the Holy Spirit. Those people who are not saved, who are not born again, they do not have the Holy Spirit. They're without the Holy Spirit. They're not born again yet. They're cut off from God. That's why the gospel is important. That's why we proclaim it here. And so... These things that we're talking about today are for those who are born again. And when you're born again, and you learn how to walk right, the commandments, they're not burdensome. And also, look at verse 4, you overcome the world. Every obstacle in your life you're going to overcome it. Do you know that? This is really good news right here. Every addiction, every problem, every fault, every issue, every shortcoming, no matter what comes at you, you're going to overcome it. Why? Because Christ overcame it. Christ defeated death. He defeated the enemy. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So the enemy, yeah, and the world. He overcame the world. He overcame it all. And if he lives in me, guess what I am? An overcomer. This is what scripture says. That's that's eagle theology. It keeps going. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. I gain victory when I walk by faith and not by sight. Just as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. How did you receive him? By faith. And so the big battle for every believer every day, all the time, throughout the day, is believing in Jesus. That's why in John chapter 6, when the disciple says, Jesus, will you just tell us the work that you want us to do? And Jesus responds is, this is the work that I want you to do. Believe in me. So yeah, your marriage is falling apart. That's what it looks like in the natural. But in the supernatural, <laughs> all things are possible with God. 
your boss is, doesn't know what he's doing and really shouldn't be in that position and you could do a better job. And the supernatural, hey, son or daughter, if I wanted you in that position, you would be. Learn how to honor those <laughs> who you think you're better than. Oh, that's a hard lesson. See, the biggest thing I have to overcome is myself. Could have got some amens there, but anyway, maybe it's just me. Verse five, verse five. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes? There it is again, believes, believes, believes that Jesus is the son of God. Man, who overcomes the world? Believers do, we do. Hallelujah. This is really good news. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're struggling with, but guess what? You're gonna overcome through believing in Jesus. No other way. I quit doing self-help books because I realized myself is no help at all. Tweetable. Why was that good? It didn't come from me. It came from him. Because nothing good comes from me. Tweetable. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, please. Bill did a great job last week going through 1 through 9, and we are going to make our way through um, this chapter, but not this week. Thank you, Bill, for getting that. So this is the passage that we're in. It says, you, however. 2 Timothy 3.10, you, however. Now, what's you, however, mean? That's a contrast there, right? So when we read 1 through 9, we realize that, hey, in the last days, there's going to be difficult times because people are going to be lovers of themselves. So you, however, Christian, you don't love yourself anymore. Say that. I don't love myself yeah, you're not a lover of self. That, that, that's, that's not you. And all those descriptions that follow come from loving self. Kids that are disobedient to their parents, it's because they love themselves. That is the root there. And, and those words, those adjectives that describe those people, it's because they love themselves. They don't love God. So in Christ now, I love God. He is love. I know love because he first loved me. So all of a sudden, I'm born again, I've changed, and now I have this love for God and love for the things of God. I'm no longer a person that, that has the appearance of godliness but denies the power. You see that there in the above. However, you, however, that's not you. You don't appear to be godly but can never get anything right in your life. Never has the power to overcome. No, no, no. We overcome everything in Christ. You're not those that are above always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's not who we are. That's not who Christians are, disciples are. We don't, you know, we, how many Bible studies do we need to take to overcome something? None. There's one study you need to take. It's this one today, by the way. It's the reality that if Christ is in me and I'm dead to myself, I'm going to overcome. So the problem's not Christ, the problem's me. And the sooner I die, the sooner I'm going to have life. Christianity is very simple. It's not a complicated thing. You, however, you, however, have followed, have followed. I want you to highlight that. You, however, have followed. This is who you are now in Christ. You are a follower now. That word follow means to study with at close quarters. That means I'm following in the dust of the rabbi, like Ray Vanderlyn says. I want to stay so close to Jesus that I'm eating his dust. 
So you followed, you followed my teaching. That could mean instruction or doctrine. Teaching and instruction and doctrine is really, really important. My conduct, basically my lifestyle, my lifestyle, my aim in life or my purpose, my faith or better translated faithfulness. So Paul was saying, Timothy, you're following my faithfulness. My patience, my love, that word love is agape in the Greek. It means unconditional love, a love that will lay its life down for someone else. Then it says, my steadfastness, again, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 10, my steadfastness, and that word steadfastness means this, to remain under hardship. Like a piece of coal under pressure becomes a diamond. Christians are to remain under, remain under, to have endurance. Verse 11, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, which persecutions I endured, Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. I want you to highlight from them all, the Lord rescued me. So we're going to talk about these two different things right now. First, number one, the first thing is, disciple, can you say, verse 10 and 11, if you had to look Jesus dead in the eye, could you say, I follow your teaching, I follow your conduct, I follow your aim of life. Your aim of life, Jesus, is my aim of life. I move with your patience. I'm enduring. I'm I'm steadfast. I'm walking in the agape love of God. Can you say that, disciple? If if you can, come come finish the sermon today because I can't. We are called... To walk in that. And there is a lack of understanding in the gospel and what the gospel did and what has been won for us when we don't operate out of a 2 Timothy 3, 10 and 11 mindset. I want you to jot this down. The phrase in Christ, in the Lord, and in him occur 164 times, depending on translation, in the letters of Paul, and this is indispensable for understanding Christianity. Most Christians don't understand Christianity. Say, say that, please. Most Christians don't understand Christianity. Yeah, yeah, and I'm one of them. I don't know if I want to follow this guy's doctrine. Yeah, don't follow mine. Follow Jesus. 164 times. Why? Because the main thing Paul wanted to get across to people is that you are now in Christ. Colossians 1.27. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the gospel. This is the great mystery that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Without Christ, you and I have no hope to bring God glory. It is only when I abide in Christ that I bring him glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory. In and of myself, I'm going to bring shame on the name of Christ when I walk in myself. This is why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the what? Kingdom. I've got to recognize I need God and I can do nothing apart from God to experience the king and his kingdom. I need you, Jesus. I want to be found in you, Jesus. Guys, this is the outcome of the gospel that, yeah, Jesus died on the cross from your sins. Yeah, he was raised from the dead, but now he has set up shop in your heart. He is now the king of your heart, sitting on the throne. He's in you. His Holy Spirit is in you. You have union with him. This is the outcome of the gospel. 
And this now is the defining factor of my life, that I am in Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. And I get in trouble when I'm in Chris. I don't want to be in Chris anymore. I just want to be in Christ. I get into trouble often, often, when I forget about God. Like, that's like the biggest sin in my life, by the way. It's when I forget about God. When I forget that it is Christ in me. Somebody says something slick to me and I just respond. Instead of something slick comes, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond? Christ Jesus, you are the king. Oh, don't say anything at all? Oh, turn the other cheek? Oh, pray for them? Oh, well, I don't want to do that because I want justice and they need to know you can't talk to people like that. Yeah, you got, (laughs) you you understand what I'm saying? Every Christian believes their anger is righteous anger. I never met a Christian who didn't believe their anger wasn't righteous anger. We have a video today of a young lady that I'm really, really proud of who has overcome a lot um, in her life. And Karen, as you walk in Christ, it's the key. It's the key. It's who you are now. All that stuff's gone. You're made new. We'll go ahead and play that. I grew up in a Christian home. My father is a pastor. Um, at a young age, I was taught the Bible and, um, you know, really had the word planted in me, you know, from a very young age. When I was 11 years old, I remember being in a car. On, um, we were all going out to eat together, me and my family. And um, this was in the 80s. And I remember hearing a voice um, that told me to, you know, put on my seatbelt. And I very quickly, I listened to that voice and I put on my seatbelt. And five minutes later, we were broadsided. And um, I had, like, I broke my hand as a result of that. And I have this, like, bump on my hand. And I always um, could look to that as, like, um, I don't know what would have happened if I wouldn't have put my seatbelt on. But I, but I know that um, God was there in that moment. I started smoking pot occasionally drinking, um, also used some LSD um, at that time. But I think that there were some indications that something wasn't right during that period of time in my life. Um, I was very emotional, very volatile. Um, and, um, but as I, as I got older and um, uh, went to college, um, the drugs and things like that started escalating. Um, I moved on to much heavier things. Um, and um, instead of using you know, marijuana and LSD, I became like cocaine, ecstasy, you know, um, and, and other things as well. I guess over the next 20 years or so, um, I just, um, things just continued to, um, escalate. I was arrested. Um, I, um, I ended up having, you know, two abortions during this period of time. I, um, you know, um, and I was, constantly trying to fill like an AA they they talk about like a um like a god-shaped hole you know and I feel like that that's exactly what I was trying to fill with with men drugs um all sorts of things you know and um I remember looking to other places too you know while I was in the midst of that um trying to find any other answer but but Jesus and God in the back of my mind there was always a verse that always kind of stuck with me and it always kind of like haunted me in a way and it was I'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and that would just and it would just like torment me in a way because I was like looking to all these things and they weren't providing answers but like I wanted to them too, so bad. I did kind of scrape together my life together back again, but I could never really admit that I had a problem with alcohol. I always thought that I had a problem with drugs. As long as I got rid of specifically meth, <laughs> I was like, as long as I like don't do meth, I can be okay, right? And that's kind of what, how it was for 10 years, you know? I ended up um, just drinking and kind of dabbling, dabbling with with drugs and prescription drugs and things like that. But like internally things were like completely wrong. I moved down to Florida, um, 
in uh, 2015, January 2015, to get sober. Um, I went to um, a halfway at that point, um, and um, it was just amazing. Or I went to treatment, I'm sorry. It was amazing how God just showed up during that period of time. When I was younger, I remember I used to read, like, you know, the story about the Israelites, you know, and, like, you. when I was a kid, I was like, what's wrong with these people? Like, don't they see, like, can't they see God's, like, presence in their life? Like, they, like what's wrong with them? And then I realized, like, now, like, looking back on that, like, I'm just like them. I'm just like them. Like, I'm, like, running away from God, and God is showing up in so many miraculous ways in my life, but I choose not to to see him. I was choosing not to like see that and recognize like how much he had done for me. Going back to church was a, it was a real difficulty for me. And in fact, um, it was almost like saying the word Jesus would make me cringe almost. Um, so I had a big resentment, um, for whatever reason. Um, and interestingly enough, I ended up, um, wanting to do CrossFit. So I looked around to see what kind of CrossFit gyms, and, and um, I was working in, in property or in uh, residential property management at the time. And one of the residents that, that lived at the apartment complex that I was at, I always saw that he wore you know, CrossFit shirts. Anyway, so um, I asked him, what's your favorite gym? And he's like, oh, Hugh. He's like, but the, the best one is Hugh Gardens. And I was like, and he was like, it's in Palm Beach Gardens. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so far away. Like, why would I ever go to Palm Beach Gardens? Anyway, I looked on their website, and I, like, I think it mentioned God or something like that on there. And um, anyway, so I decided I was going to go there. I called them. I loved it. Went there. And there's a ton of Christian people that go to, to Hugh Gardens. And I had met um, the Cornells and, and the Shippies and um, – um, anyway, at, at Hugh Gardens. And so I decided to come to bow down and then I just never stopped. Um, and, um, I started going to inner healing, um, because I just felt like, um, you know, I've done a lot of work on myself over the last six and a half years. I've been sober for six and a half years, done a lot of work, but there's, um, some stuff that I just know that only God can handle. I, I have a theory. I just feel like addicts and alcoholics are just very sensitive spiritually and we are completely broken without God. And so when we're separated from God, that's the result, you know? Um, so I just would say cling to God, <laughs> cling to Jesus, um, you know, and um, don't, don't hide. Don't hide. Um, you know, let someone know what you're struggling with, um, and people can help you. Mm. Amen. Karen, if you could just stand up real quick, because everybody's like, who's Karen? There she is. Yeah. Colleen and I are just so proud of you and um, the boldness that it took to share your story with us. And so we honor you for that. We thank you for letting us in. Um, and I pray in this church we would be a church that uh, is not fake, but that we're real. We all have issues, okay? Denial is not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> Every joke I stole is funny, but the ones I, anyway. <laughs> but Karen, you are in Christ now. You are in Christ. And you are without spot or blemish. All those sins, they're gone. Psalms 103 says he separated our sins as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. You are perfect in every way now because of the precious blood of Christ. Glory in that. Glory in that. Do you glory in Christ, guys? Do we glory in Christ? Do we want to be found in Christ and nothing else? It's Christ and Christ alone that I want to stand in. 
all other ground, sinking sand. It is all nothing, but it's Christ and Christ alone. And he continues to come after you. He continues to move towards you because he knows he's the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no way apart from him. There's no truth apart from him. And there's really no life apart from him. See, the enemy's coming at you because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. But Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that I've come to give you life and life abundantly. The enemy has deceived the church thinking that the cost of discipleship is way too high. But the reality is the cost of non-discipleship is way higher because there's this enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. This is not who you are. This is not what God is doing. He has won. He has the victory. He rose again. He's dead. He lives inside of you. And it's this life that's in you that's undefeatable. You have the victory in Christ and Christ alone. Stop trying and start trusting. Give up. Give up. When my son was little, little and he would wake up and want to play with me, I miss those days. He would come to my bed, give up, daddy, give up, give up. Anyway, it just reminds me, give up, give up, give up, get quit, quit, give up your life to Jesus. And just everything I have, I just want to be found in you, Jesus. I surrender, I surrender my surrender because I'm not strong enough to surrender. You've got to do this, God. Because you're called to say, in Christ, I follow. His lifestyle is my lifestyle. His purposes are my purposes now. His love is my love now because he's inside of me. His steadfastness is mine because he's inside of me. This is the gospel. And no matter what I face, no matter what persecution, suffering, that will come, not may come, but will come, I'm going to be able to withstand it because he is with me. He is in me. Now, the second question, and I had you highlight this, yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, please. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. And I really felt impressed to dive into this because I knew while reading this that, all right, God, I read what happened to Paul. It didn't seem like you rescued him. Like if that's what rescuing looks like, God, I don't want to be rescued by you. And so we're going to read what I'm talking about. If you don't know, you're going to know. And so that kind of sat with me like, God, you rescued from awe, but, but, but it just doesn't look like that in the natural. And so show me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, to this present hour, we hunger and thirst. 1 Corinthians four eleven, And we're poorly dressed buffeted, homeless, and we labor working with our hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse, think sewage, of all things. This is why self-esteem teaching sometimes is a hindrance to the gospel. Often it is. Because Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, understood that his whole life was sewage apart from Christ. And so it says, God, you re he says, I... You rescued him, but then here it doesn't look like, if this is rescued, I don't want to be rescued, right? Hunger, thirst, homeless, buffeted, persecuted. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 4, please. 
2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. It says, but we have this treasure, verse 7, Second Corinthians 4, verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Now, in the Greek, that phrase, jars of clay, again, we want to be biblical, that was a jar that was used in the house to go number two in. It was that type of jar in the Greek. They didn't have underground plumbing like we had. They just had jars that you would take a seat on. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Understand, Christian, that's in Christ. You, 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 you are a jar of clay. I am a jar of clay. I am a privy pot, if you will. But God has put his treasure in me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. See, this is the outcome of the gospel. And this surpassing power doesn't, it belongs to God and not to us. When somebody comes up for healing, for me, oh, oh man, I, every, time I, every time I pray for somebody, they, nothing happens, God. You know what the problem is? You're looking at the pot. Get off the pot and get your focus on Christ. Christ, what are you doing right now? You've put your glory in me. What are you doing? Because I want to move with you. That's my only hope. See, that's Christianity. That's Christianity. That's learning how to move in Christ. Okay, verse 8. We are afflicted in every way. But not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to per- despair, persecuted, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying, and you want to highlight always, in the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be made may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Verse 12, so death is at work in us, but life in you. So again, there is hardships and persecutions. God rescued, them, rescued us out of them all. But think for a second, Paul's mentality was If he could just die and walk as a dead man, what that would mean to Chris is that Chris would find life if Paul or myself could die. That's how Paul thought. That's how he prayed. I die daily so that Christ can live. I want to come to the end of myself so that Christ and Christ alone can rule and reign in my life. That's how Christians think. That's what it means to be in Christ. Death for Paul meant life for them. We remember 9-11, the brave firemen and police officers, what did they do? They kept going back into that building and rescuing, kept going back and rescuing, kept going back and then never came out. What was life for them because they'd been trained and they just reacted into it is that it's not about us. We risk our life for those that are in there. That's what Christ did for us on the cross. He took my wrath, so I don't have to experience wrath. For the, If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, repented of your sins and began to ask him to, oh, I want to be born again, God. Understand, you will get wrath one day. The cross is what you can expect. The cross is an estimation of our life, Watchman Nee says. It's what we deserve. I deserve wrath. Do you know why? Because in 1 Timothy, those verses, that's all who I was. It's what I trafficked in because I love myself, not God. 
Will, go ahead and play this uh, clip, please, of the Band of Brothers. Lieutenant. Sir, when I landed on D-Day, I found myself in a ditch all by myself. I fell asleep. I think it was those air sickness pills they gave us. When I woke up, I didn't really try to find my unit to fight. I just, I just kind of stayed put. What's your name, Trooper? Blasher, Albert Blythe. You know why you hid in that ditch, Blythe? scared you head in that ditch because you think there's still hope but Blythe the only hope you have is to accept the fact that you're already dead and the sooner you accept that the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier is supposed to function all war depends upon it This mentality, this lifestyle, that I'm dead, that I'm dead, that it's Christ, it's Christ, it's Christ, it's Christ. That's why Paul already talked about that in 2 Timothy chapter 2 when he said, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, right? Um, Actually, let's turn there because I'm messing up the thing. Second Timothy, and I want you to keep your place here because we're, we're going to come back. Second Timothy. No soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. Look at verse 2. <clears throat> Second Timothy, chapter 2. Excuse me, verse 3. It says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. Since his aim, you see that, that language there again is what we've already read. My aim in life, you followed my aim in life. His aim in life is to please the one who has enlisted him. In Christ, we're soldiers. And we don't get involved in civilian affairs. Our focus is on Christ and Christ alone. That needs to be our mindset. Now, let's go back to to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, some questions for you. Um, You know, what is God calling you to die to, disciple, so that others may have life? It doesn't need to be a big thing, which, by the way... We do have a big thing. August 10th is the last day we're receiving applications for Project 516. So if you know somebody that wants to die for 10 months in our discipleship program, um, please see Kevin. Where's Kevin? So if you want to die, go see Kevin, okay? So it's a real, real good application for today, right? You you can move into the inner city for 10 months and be discipled and trained and just, you can die. It's great. Was that a good, that was a good call, right? Hey, look, what did you say? You want to you wanna follow me? Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. So anyway, I, I think it's pretty good, Kevin. Some of us are watching way too much news. We might want to cut down on that. Maybe pick up our Bible a little bit, a little swappity swap. For me, I need your prayers. I'm heading to a discipleship conference this week in Atlanta. And it's gonna, there's going to be a cost, if you will, for me to implement what I'm going to learn. Why am I doing that? Why am I picking that up? 
because I feel like God wants me to die a little bit more so that you guys can find life. For the sake of the elect, for the sake of the elect, I covet your prayers. So what is it that God's calling you to die to? That's between you and the Lord. It's between you and the Lord. What is he calling you to die to so that others can have life? Verse 13, verse 13, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe, so I spoke. We also believe, and so we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us into his presence, for it is all for your sake. You might want to highlight that. Again, Paul was living in Christ all for the sake of others and not himself. So that as grace, verse 15, extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving. So I have that whole section highlighted because, again, a a person that is in Christ expects grace and more grace and more grace to increase so that people's lives will be changed to the glory of God. Verse 16, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so here's another question for you. Are you expecting grace to be extended more and more and increase in your life? This last night I stayed up late because I was having a hard time getting the message together. And then I had to get up early to put some finishing touches on it. And when my alarm went off, I'm walking down the hallway, and all of a sudden, I'm so tired. I could use another hour. You guys wouldn't have known, by the way. I need to take it another I need to go and take another hour. My body needs it. I'm not going to function properly. Do those tapes only play in my head, by the way? Right? What if I, am I going to be able to get a nap in? So the tape starts rolling, and all of a sudden, this scripture hit me because I'd already finished this point. The scripture hit me and said, Chris, are you expecting grace to be poured out on your little tired behind? It, it, didn't, it didn't say that, but it's my translation. Are you expecting grace, Chris, or do you need to go get bedside Baptist grace again? You know, do you, do you need to go back? Are you going to go get your own grace? Are you expecting grace? Right. So these things, man, do, do we in, in little things, but also big things when I'm moving towards something that's really, really hard. I don't know if I can do this, man. This looks really hard. No. Do I expect grace? Do I expect God's grace to just come? I was talking to a guy at K, Kids Across America camp in Missouri, and he lived in the inner city. And I asked him, his name was Jim. Jim, what is, what, what, what are you going to do if this happens to your wife? If this happens to your family? And he says to me, Chris, I quit worrying about what could happen to me. And I started trusting in God's grace to be extended to me when I need it. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. That's why Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble. If you walk around fearing what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, or do you walk around trusting that, okay, God, you've called me to do this. You're going to extend grace. You're going to show up. You are not going to abandon me. This is what you're leading me to do. I can trust you that you're going to come and you're going to bring me through it. See, there's a difference. So a person with that kind of mentality doesn't need to get rescued because he's already free. See, Paul was rescued in a different type of way he wasn't saved from the trials and the persecutions and the hardships but he was already rescued from a spiritual standpoint where he expected God's grace to come where he didn't live for himself but he lived for others verse 17 
For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul had an eternal perspective. He's saying every trial that I'm going through, it doesn't compare to what glory I'm going to experience. He, he didn't have a temporal mindset. Well, man, this isn't fair, and I don't have this, and when is this going to happen, and focused on. He had an eternal perspective where every suffering, every trial, every persecution was the hand of God, from the hand of God, for his glory, and it changed his mindset. Do you walk like that? Do I walk like that? Or are we whining? Are we victims or are we victors? It matters, perspective, how you see things. Verse 18. As we look to the things that are seen, but to the thing, we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So, next question, Paul do you have, a, have a, a spiritual perspective? So there's an eternal perspective where we focus on what's to come, not just right here, right now, but also a spiritual perspective because he realized the things that are seen are really temporal, but the real thing that's happening is unseen. It's why Jesus was come at Peter. Peter's like, you're not gonna die, Jesus. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because Jesus knew it wasn't Peter, it was the enemy behind Peter. And so he understood our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. People uh, might not like you, not because of you, but because they're under deception from the enemy. Christ loves you. Christ likes you. Even if you're unlikable, by the way. He still did that for you. He did that for the 12 sellouts that left him when he went here. He, he, he did that for Peter who denied him three times. Christ loves you. So if somebody doesn't like you, that's not your problem. It's their problem. They're under deception and they're being used by the enemy. If they're condemning you, God doesn't condemn you, Romans 8, 1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If they're condemning you, they're not in Christ Jesus. Spiritual perspective. Now, when I realize this, and I believe this, if Quaylen's mad at me, I feel compassion for Quaylen because he's under deception. God's really happy with me, Quaylen. I don't know if you know that. Get on his level, Quaylen. <laughs> That's how we can love our enemies because we know I'm a friend of God. Remember that song? I'm a friend of God. Yeah. He calls me friend. You don't want to be friendly? Oh, you ain't walking in God. Compassion. Compassion on my enemies. Spiritual perspective, eternal perspective, dead, dead, so that the life of Christ, these things that Paul was walking in, oh, man. I want you to turn to uh, 2 Corinthians 11, please. We're just going to read through this again. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Are you servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Far more imprisonments, countless beatings, often near death. Five times at the hands of the Jews, forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at the sea on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers of my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil, hardship, many sleepless nights, and hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold, and exposure. And he keeps going. 
again. That doesn't sound like you're being rescued, does it? That sounds a pretty miserable life. That, 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 that ain't the American dream, is it? But see, Paul, he, he was indifferent to his own life because he was just concerned about getting the gospel out to others. Paul expected in the midst of all that stuff that God's grace would be poured out. Paul had an eternal and a spiritual perspective when he looked at things. This is why it's not about being rescued physically. He was already rescued spiritually. God rescued him from everything on a spiritual level. Because you can't kill a dead man. He's already dead. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The plane is circling the landing strip, by the way. But the tower is saying, keep, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 12, 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited, how many of us deal with pride in here, right? Yeah. No. Because of the surpassing revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. What a nice Christmas present, right? To keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content. Content means like I'm good. I'm good. I'm content with my weakness. Now, listen, I'm not content with my weakness. I don't want to be known as some dude who's weak. What is that? Oh, that's pride. That's pride. I want to be known as somebody that's strong. Oh, that's a mighty man of God there. Oh, that guy's this, that guy's that. No, 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 no. Paul says, I boast in my weaknesses, and I'm content with those. I'm, I'm happy with those things. That weakness is a treasure to me. Those insults are a treasure to me. Those hardships, those persecutions, those calamities, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because I'm no longer standing in myself. Paul was content with these temporary circumstances, even his own weaknesses. When you get mad or surprised when you fail, you're mad at yourself, understand that's pride. You thought you were better than you are. When you fall, ah, Jesus, thank you for showing me how weak I am and help me to never forget about you again, to bring you into every situation. So here's your four questions I want you to walk away with. The fact that God didn't, didn't rescue, this is not the question, but I'm just going to say this. The fact that God didn't rescue Paul from these sufferings and persecutions, it made him stronger. It made him better. So question number one, what is God calling you to die to so that others may have life? And I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit, is there, is there something? It may be little, it may be big, but it's between you and the Holy Spirit. Like, like, guys, we just heard this message, and so now how can we apply this to my life? Okay, is there anything, God, that you're calling me to die to right now? I just shared you mine, right? Pray for me at this conference, right? It's going to be a lot of work, more work added to my plate. You know what? Some other things have to go, which means my pleasure, my free time has to die so that Second thing, do you constantly expect grace to be extended to you in abundance? 
no matter what obstacle you face. Do you expect grace to be given to you more and more abundantly? Remember we saw that with Paul? He didn't lose hope because he expected the grace would be poured out. If you're always expecting the worst, if you're negative Nancy, there's a problem with your Christianity. May your expectation and your hope be on Christ. And so are you the kind of person who just doesn't believe? See, Scripture says love believes the best. It always hopes. So, so in you, Christ in you says, go forward, son or daughter, because I'm with you and my grace is sufficient for you. Even when you're weak, you're strong because it's not about you. It's about me and I'm bringing you to the end to yourself. So expect grace. Expect grace. Grace is the power to do what you cannot do when it comes time to do it. It is undeserved favor, but that doesn't really work well in real life. This works well in real life. The power to do what I cannot do when it comes time to do it. Do you expect God's grace to show up? Number three, do I live with an eternal or spiritual perspective? Do I live with an eternal and a spiritual perspective, not or? Eternal and spiritual. Do I really have that mindset? Do I really walk like that? Number four, will you be content in whatever situation so that God can make you weak so that his power can rest on you? So you need to be asking God, okay, Holy Spirit, am I really, really content with these situations right now? Am I a person that boasts in my weakness or, or do I try to prove I'm strong? I want your power to rest upon me. Help me, God. Will, if you could throw up that last picture. I was on a walk, and I saw, you, you really can't, I tried to zoom in and zoom in and zoom in and zoom in. I probably should have just got a better one off the internet, but this is like a real picture for me, okay? So there's a story behind it. It's got a lizard in its mouth, Right? And so I'm on a walk. I see it. He's eating a lizard. I'm like, oh, that's cool. So I'm, 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 I'm stepping close. I'm stepping close to take the picture. I step close. Boom, he's still got the li- lizard. And then all of a sudden, the snake sees me. It throws the lizard out of its mouth. And it just takes off running. When it did that, I jumped back because I was more afraid of the snake than the snake was afraid of me because I hate snakes. My point, that snake didn't realize how weak I was, how much of a pansy I was, how much of a baby I was. And because of that, he lost his meal. How many of you are losing meals because you're being moved from a place of fear, fear of expectation, false expectation appearing real, fear. How many of us are missing meals and other people are missing meals because, man, we don't want to die to ourselves. We don't want to abide in Christ. We're not thinking eternal perspective. We're not thinking spiritually rather than just naturally with what we see. How many of us are not walking in what Christ paid for, this undefeated victory, this undefeated life, Because we're not walking in Christ and we're not getting everything that the lamb who is worthy paid for. I pray you meditate while we sing and worship team, come on up, please. And forgive me for going a little bit over. Prayer partners, if you can make your way, how many, how many? are going to miss out on on the life that God has for us, for you. And I think it ends today. I think we're going to see revival today. In Christ alone. So, Father, you know where everybody is 
You know their fears, their shortcomings, their faults, their failures. You, you see it all, and you still embrace the cross for them. So, Jesus, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would just fall in this place in a greater way, that you would just flood us, God, with your presence. We, we put our finger on that verse that says, when, 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 when I am weak, the power of Christ rests upon me. And I just declare in front of my brothers and sisters, I am weak. I rejoice in my weakness today. I want your spirit resting upon me, God. And I pray for everyone in this place that we would just acknowledge our need for you, God, to live this life, this undefeatable life. Help us to believe what has been written about us and about Christ. And I thank you that in you we will follow your teaching. We will follow your conduct, your aim of life. We will follow, we will follow because we are in you, Jesus. So come be glorified in our lives, we pray. Be blessed by this worship now. And for those that are having a hard time abiding in Christ, I pray you just draw them forward to our prayer partners. In Jesus' name. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.